right, so on the Walleye World Podcast, June edition, I have Ryan Buddy, tournament angler, StarCraft Marine Pro. And, hey, as someone that follows tournaments, I consider you an angler that's quietly consistent and performing well, whether it's in Lake Erie in your backyard or other places where you go and tour different events. So I enjoy reading your blogs and following some of your fishing adventures on social media. If you don't mind, Ryan, uh, take a minute, introduce yourself to the podcast audience, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living, and a bit about your path you've taken to get into fishing at your level. Yeah, all right. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'm an airline pilot. That's my full-time job. Um, You know, and it's it's funny, actually, people always ask me, like, you know, how how, did you decide you want to become a pilot? And I was, it was really, it was kind of like a, well, I think I wanted to be a pilot just so that I could fish the world and have a, you know, sort of, uh, suitable to support my habit, uh, full-time job, you know? So it's kind of funny how things have kind of turned here with this virus going on, but, yeah. um, but yeah, no, so I'm an airline pilot. Um, you know, that's, of course things are kind of quiet right now with the pandemic on that. So, uh, then I, then I've, uh, been fishing, uh, you know, fishing professional tournaments for about 10 years and, um, guiding as well on Lake Erie. Um, before that, I, I actually started my fishing career as a, a summer job in college. I started working in Alaska as a fishing guide, you know, did oh, wow. that, came back, did that while I was in college. After that, got hired at the airline, moved back to Ohio in, uh, you know, Cleveland area and, uh, got my captain's license and started guiding on Lake Erie and got into the tournaments and it just, you know, had a lot of success and it just kind of escalated from there. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty much it sounds like you're a double captain. You're a captain of the air and of the sea and, uh, Hey, you got a great body of water right in your backyard. So yeah, like, um, it's no secret two weeks ago, uh, there was the master's walleye circuit event out of Lorraine, Ohio. You took a top 10 in that. And uh, I'd just like to hear a little bit about your experience kind of preparing for the event all the way through, you know, day one, day two, and then finally cashing a check, getting some hardware. So um, the, the podcast audience, you know, we have people that are tournament anglers. We have regular fishermen. So it's, it's pretty cool because we got a broad audience. And um, one thing I always appreciate talking with pro anglers is, is you can kind of learn how to become more efficient and uh, get more fish in the boat and the right fish. So Always love picking anglers' brains, so just walk us through some of your preparation and uh, through the event for you for the Masters Walleye Circuit. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the funny thing for preparation, I'll, I'll sidetrack a little bit on this, and then yeah. then we'll get into it. But, like, uh, so, so you know, when I, I – the last several years, I've kind of, like, uh, I've kind of, like, put my charter fishing to the side because I just wanted to focus on, on tournament fishing and, uh, you know, and then I got my family, I got, I got a wife and, and three little kids and, and then my, my job as a pilot and it's just, you know, I had to make some cuts, you know, so yeah. you just only have so much time, you know, mm-hmm. so I kind of like put the charter fishing to the side, you know, and then, and then the, you know, the pandemic happens and not flying at all. And it's like, well, Hey, you know, I gotta, I'm going to build up my charter, charter fishing business again yeah. to, to, you know, this is my backup, you know, to, this is what's going to be paying the bills, you know, if I, if I'm not flying, you know, so, so I built it back up, but like one thing I've always, I've always kind of like thought and tried to be like, you know, careful of in the, in the, you know, as a fishing guide and charter boat captain, I saw it in my, my time in Alaska and I saw it, you know, I see it on Lake Erie all the time is I feel like, you know, if you, 
if you get in that charter boat fishing guide mentality, it can actually like almost become a disadvantage mm. if you if you let it when it comes to tournament fishing. Mm. You know, and what I, what I mean by that is it's it's easy to just go out and do the same thing every day and catch your fish, you know, and, and catch the same fish and have happy clients and you know they're bringing in you know they're bringing in their limit of fish and 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 there's definitely ways that you can catch them easier not targeting the you know the big tournament fish you know mm-hmm. and so so coming into this goes into the preparation for the mwc you know these last few weeks is is you know i've been doing charters every day but i've i've almost been kind of approaching those charters like pre-fishing mode and and you know the luxury we have right now is the fishing so good that even if even if you're you know your throw you know shot in the dark to go for big fish here or ch- change to this port here there's always somewhere where you can end up going and catching fish it just might not be the most you know the quickest way possible you yeah. know so so i kind of like really it, it almost to my charter fishing almost turned into like a three four week pre-fish you know <laughs> as soon as they open that up mm-hmm. whereas i was taking clients and every day i was saying like hey listen you know we're gonna start off doing something i haven't done this yet this week you know uh, I think that it should be to catch bigger fish. We may not, we may, may not run our full spread of nine or 12 rods because it's just not practical. And, you know, some of the tight structure fishing spots or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of how I approach my, my charter fish. And that's how I want to fish. Like if I'm on the water, I want to be targeting big fish, doing something away from the pack and, you know, and, and and trying to learn something you know so i i'm able to, like i still have that mentality you know if i was doing it 300 days a year i don't know if i'd still be able to maintain <laughs> that en- energy right to do it like that but that's where i'm at for now and that's how i've always kind of approached it as a fishing guide and, and charter boat captain so you know going into that mwc yeah like you know i had i had a, i had awesome practice you know um <laughs> all over the place and and just trying to learn the fish, you know, learn, okay, what, you know, what are they doing? Where are the big ones moving from? Why are they moving here? You know, is it, is it a current driven thing? Is it a wind driven thing? And just kind of trying to figure out those patterns, you know? And then, Mm. and so, so, so pretty much what it came down to for this tournament is, uh, we figured out that, uh, the fish were, the best fish for us were relating to sharp breaks, sharp rocky breaks on structure along the shoreline and the current was running along. Mm-hmm. And the further east we got that we had that consistent, you know, conditions, that's the bigger the fish were. And so we ended up, we were running from Lorraine, we were running about uh, 25, 30 miles over to uh, the, the Lakewood Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. and and fishing a sharp break over there um so that that was kind of what the practice was uh what we figured out there and then you know what happened actually is the first day of the tournament see see when you're fishing lake erie is just you know i view it as a big river okay mm-hmm. you, you got all that water coming in detroit river and it all comes out goes out to the, the niagara river and it goes through the lake and you also have the wind, which is, uh, shifts the lake around the seizures of the lake. So you get a big southwest, it, it raises the lake level in Buffalo. You, wind switches around, it raises the lake level in Toledo, and then it sloshes back and forth. And that creates a lot of lateral current. So mm-hmm. when you have those conditions, that's, you know, that 
that sucks those fish up to that structure. Long story short, first day of the tournament, it was completely slick, flat, calm. Um, and it was, there's quite a bit of boat pressure kind of in the area we were at. So we get, we got our fish, you know, pretty good first pass. And then it just kind of, you know, two good fish first pass. And then it kind of just slowed down and we did all right, you know, 26 pounds and 31st place out of, out of about 90 boats, you know, day mm-hmm. one, but it wasn't, it wasn't really where you know, really, of course, where we wanted to be. But I knew the next day, I knew we were going to have a little bit of wind back. I knew we'd have probably that area to ourselves, And we just stay focused on, hey, I know those fish are going to be back. And, and we went back and we, we pounded them pretty good. That's awesome. We had, you know, we had we had four big ones. One I would have liked to have upgraded. And then, uh, you know, I think it was like the third biggest bag of the day and moved up into the top 10. So, you know, given the circumstances, I was thrilled with that 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 finish heck yeah so um obviously you're fishing erie and no secret most guys troll out there you mentioned passing so sounds like you're running a trolling program um yeah do you mind kind of elaborating on what you're trolling um i'm assuming you're using inline boards yeah yeah so you know i i've I've always used offshore tackle boards um and yeah we're trolling uh crankbaits is what we're using we're using mostly bandits and flicker minnows and we were fishing. We were fishing a break between like uh, about 17 to like 28 feet of water, and just kind of coming up and down that break. It was a, it was a short break, and and getting those crankbaits to run pretty darn close to the to the, to the bottom. I mean, we'd hang them up and lose them every once in a while. And, you know, that, that's one of the things. Like, you know, like on Lake Erie, it seems like lately I've uh, it, 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 most. Of, it seems like you know, it's funny, like when I get, I'll get backtracked a little bit. When I first got into this, like it is, tournament fishing on Lake Erie was dominated by spinner fishing. Mm-hmm. And now it's, now it's completely dominated by crankbait fishing. And, you know, I've, I've kind of put a new focus on the last couple of years. I'm really getting good at, at, at running those crankbaits precisely and not just you know, not just being good at getting them run, but running them right real close to the bottom and right in the rocks. And sometimes you got to go deeper with, you know, putting snap weights on it and, and learning and fine tuning that, yeah. that pro- program. And, you know, that's pretty much what we were doing. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. when you're running that snap weight program, I know Offshore Tackle has the pro weight system. I'm assuming you're doing maybe a variation on the 50-50 method with like a two ounce tap, not tap, but a guppy weight on there. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I do. I use the, the two ounce guppy, guppy weight. The, yeah. uh, you know, I don't, I don't try to be too much smarter than the, you know, the data that the precision trolling puts out, you know, the, I feel like that's pretty, pretty good data. So Agreed. They're, they're, they're based off of all their, you know, snap weight programs are based off of 50 foot out, put the, put the two ounce weight on and then let out a certain, you know, amount after that, which that makes sense to get the most efficiency out of, out of the, you know, the dive of your bait, because, you know, you look at the dive curve of pretty much any of those crankbaits, they dive, they dive pretty good for the first 50 feet of line out. So mm-hmm. makes sense to put, you know, let the crankbait do its work on that first 50 feet and then put the weight to assist, you know, the next section of line you got, and that's going to get you the most efficient depth, you know? Gotcha. So I, th- that's what I do. And I mean, I'm, it's pretty popular. You hear, your guys running 20 feet back and then the snap weight and then, then, you know, however long, you know, after that. And that's, 
you know, there isn't published data on exactly the dive curves that, but, you know, sometimes you got to play with it because, you know, a program like that's going to fluctuate more with speed than the, you know, the 50 feet out and then the weight sure. and then put it, put it down. So, you know, it's kind of a, it, it, you know, and maybe you want it to fluctuate more with speed. So maybe you would want to put it that 20 feet ahead, but you know, what, what I've been doing lately is mostly that 50 feet ahead and, you know, letting the, letting the fish tell you what's working and what, what, what they want you know yeah there you go and i think that's probably the most practical thing for listeners if you're if you're running a snap weight program is is do that 50 50 method now um one thing i kind of want to ask you about it sounded like there wasn't a whole lot of current pretty flat on day one and day two that kind of changed did you find that you had to adjust fire with uh the line you let back to get that bait down closer to structure with the difference in current or was there no fine-tuning really needed based on the current for day two well, I'll tell you what, like this was one of the big revelations for me this year is um, I, I look, you know, I, I went back, you know, back to being a student in the winter this year, like I always, like I always try to do. And, and this year I was sitting in on uh, one of Ali Shakur's, uh, he's, a, he's a marine biologist uh, seminars, and he was talking about his fish hawk and, uh, you know, how he uses it to find, you know, different temperatures in the water and currents and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, I need that. You know, I've always just kind of used like, Hey, you look at your speed over ground and your GPS, but then look at, Hey, how are your boards digging? And how's the, how are your rods loaded up? You know, to how does the lure look just hanging over the side of the boat, you know? Mm-hmm. And Ali started talking about this Fishhawk X2, which is really cool system that you can just, you, you put on a little short rod with a line counter so you don't need to mount it on a doubt rigger and you don't need, it just runs on double A batteries so you don't need to wire it to the boat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that, that sounds like a great idea. So, so I got that thing and I've been using that thing religiously this year. And, and it's amazing how much I've learned about, uh, currents you know in the lake and and the thing that surprised me the most is you know i thought it always kind of was like well you know here if we're at the gold coast it's it's an east you know or it's a west east well whatever and it's 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 0.4 miles an hour is about what it is if i'm going this direction i need you know those let's say i can hypothetically say it's 0.4 and it's the whole way along this stretch Mm -hmm. and reality is it's that i found out is it's not that really at all it's big time there's there's big pockets of it and it and it snakes and like you know you're going the same direction on the same straight troll east to west and that current's varying a lot and just those little you know especially as you're going in and out of that shoreline so so what i did you know in in this in my practice and then even in this tournament as well is I was, I was, at first I was kind of trying to compute in my head, okay, my speed over ground is, you know, two mile an hour and I'm showing, you know, 0.7 in the, on my fish hawk and, or point, I'm sorry, 1.7 on my fish hawk. So I need to watch, you know, and, and, and stay at about two mile an hour and set my cruise control on my, my, uh, my, I, I pilot at, uh, two mile an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, it changes all over the place. You look at that fish hawk and it's all over the place. And it's just giving me a headache trying to figure it out. <laughs> so then, so then what I started doing is I'm like, you know what, forget this. Every time I get a bite, I'm going to look at that fish hawk and see what it says. And I'm going to vary my speed around. And that's when like the revelation and that's when it, you know, happened to me is 
I just, I'm not looking at my speed on my GPS anymore. I was looking right on that fish hawk. And it seems like if I could keep it right around that 1.7, 1.8, that's, that was his zone. And it was amazing. Like, so that's what I would do. I just keep referencing that based off of when I got bites. Like sometimes I, my 1.7 was 2.5 mile an hour on Yikes. my speed over ground. You know, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. So, you know, back to your question, like, uh, you know, with the snap weights and stuff, it, it, it's not, I, I'm not really varying that. I'm really just kind of, as long as I'm hitting that speed through the water on the fish hawk, I don't have to, Bingo. you know, a, a, you know, and I can do that day to day. Sure. You know? So that, that's kind of been a, a huge, you know, probably the, you know, I had a friend ask me after this tournament, just, you know, Monday morning quarterback and Hey, like, what'd you learn? You know, we just talked, you know, about this, you know, trying to figure out, you know, break down how you could have done better and stuff. And that was, I was like, well, that's the number one thing I learned out of this one, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but again, like, you know, our day one, those, those fish want to be in there when there's some chop and there's some current running along there. And that's yeah. when they want to be on that. And when, when it's not, you know, they kind of just, they kind of disperse and, and get pushed around and it's, it's hard to really, you know, and I think they get a little bit lack jawed too, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, it's, that's the circumstances we were given, but sure. You know, Hey, if you don't mind, I'm going to reel back, um, no pun intended to that, that fish hawk. So if, if you wanted to get like a static reading for, for the current in a given location, I'm not really familiar with them. Are you just doing like an anchor lock with your, uh, Minn Kota or, or, uh, motor guide and, and seeing what the, uh, I guess the speed is on your fish hawk when you drop it down or kind of walk us through how you get the, like a static current real time under your boat with that. Well, you know, t- t- honestly, I don't really know. I mean, all I know is that I just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there's a way to calibrate it, but I just, uh, I, I know that it's a, usually a little less than my speed over ground. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think like, you know, just like you said, in a static zero current situation, um, you know, theoretically it should be exactly your speed over ground. But it, it, it seems to be a little off there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, maybe, maybe there is a way that I haven't figured out. Like I said, I'm, I'm new to it. But I know that the one thing I did figure out is that that thing, you know, they want it. They, the fish want to bite when that thing's reading a certain thing. And that's kind of all that I <laughs> I seem to care about at yeah. that point. You Heck, know? If that's putting so, the way fish in the boat, then that's the ticket right there. That makes 100% sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how were the emotions day one? I'm sure you had expectations and, um, yeah, it sounded like you were very confident day two, given the weather patterns, but, um, you know, what, what were you feeling after your day one result? Well, I mean, you know, like with tournament fishing, I, I tell guys that are getting into this, you know, if you want to stick and be in this and stick around for a long time, you can't feel, you know, you can't, you can't get too, high or too low on however you're doing you know all you got and i don't really worry well yeah i try to think about hey what what could i have done different but i don't i don't try to get too emotional about you know this where i'm sitting okay whether it's high or low you know if Mm -hmm. i'm sitting up on the top i don't get too worked up about it i don't get nervous about it if i'm you know i've been sitting in second place going into the final day of a national walleye tour and people are like are you nervous and i'm like no I, i it's just I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rock, but I'm not like, I'm not too anxious or, 
or anything like that. But then, you know, if you get if you get your butt kicked or even if you're middle of the pack, it's like, well, hey, this is a day I can go save face or this is a day I can go run something or go out and and, and you know, make it happen. And so, you know, th- in in this circumstance, I guess I was like, well, I'm third we're thirty first place and the the, the the you know the money getting in the money is really not that far out and mm-hmm. i'm really i'm really confident I, we can go crack some big fish so i guess i mean i was like i just i knew we were gonna have that day when we were on the way out i just knew it awesome. you know i know i know this lake i know that spot i know you know i knew i knew those fish i knew you know our pattern was good i knew i, I just everything felt right you know so i guess i was just i was confident as it, it, it you know, to answer your question on, you know, how it's feeling there. Yeah. Spoken like a nice man pilot, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, those are, yeah. those really are good points. Uh, if, if, um, you know, if you get too much emotion into the competition, it can throw off the way you, you perform in game day. Uh, same thing, like, you know, going back, if people play college sports, high school sports, whatever, but I think that's really cool. Those are good points. And same thing for guys that are out fun fishing too. If if you lose your head over little things, you're not, gonna, you're not going to be in the game to, to fill your live well or whatnot. So yeah, real good points. Yeah. 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 And I mean like, you know, reality with tournament fishing is like, you know, one of my good buddy, Corey Sprengels told me this. He's like, you need to, you know, you need to fish the fish, you know, like don't, you know, and it's a great piece of advice. And what he means by that is just, you know, you don't worry about, you know, the tournament. Don't worry about who's in it. Don't worry about, you know, what boats are out there, what boats you've seen, you know, any of that. You don't have time for that. You need to worry about all you can do is worry about the fish. Okay. Try to pattern the fish. Wonder you're fishing against the fish, figure out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. and focus on what they're doing and don't worry about anyone else don't worry about your place don't worry about you know any of that just go out and and find those fish you know so yeah um you know that's and that's you know it, it kind of be more the truth you know yeah hey, i like that um so one of the themes that I, that I, I kind of have for this podcast is quiet consistency and, and i kind of assign that to you as an angler um, what are some suggestions you have for anglers that uh, wish to become more consistent in terms of fishing success? <laughs> Quite consistent. I wish I was more like, like explosive, like, <laughs> like you know, I, I'd rather, I don't like to be, be considered quiet because if I, if I was winning big, huge events, like, like John Hoyer didn't have a quietly consistent year last year. No, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but no, no, I mean, no, that's great. I mean, that's great. So I like points for someone, you know, who wants to be, you know, more consistent. I mean, one of the things I would say is, you know, you got to be, I mean, I guess, you know, what I just said a little bit partially is just, you know, focus on the fish and everything else to take care of itself. Um, you know, don't worry about the, you know, other guy anglers or what they're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other thing I would say is, you know, it's after a tournament, it's, it's always the same song and dance. You talk to other guys and it's like, Oh, I lost a big one off the boat or, you know, we would have won if we had this one or, you know, and, and it's like, well, yeah, but you didn't, you know. So the point of that is, is you got to be, you got to be meticulous with your fish, you know, in terms of, I, 
every bite you get, you got to do everything you possibly can in your power to get that fish to the boat and mm-hmm. focus so, so much energy on that. And, you know, one, what I mean by that is like, you know, like super sharp, sharp hooks, you know, great hooks. Like I change, I change all my crankbait hooks, to the Berkeley fusion 19 hooks. Those things are, I used to, I used to hand file them all, but now saves me a hell of a lot of time that I can just take those things right out of the pack and put them right on my bait. I know they're as sharp as I possibly can get. Mm-hmm. And then they stay sharp, you know? So things like that and, and making sure, you know, all your, um, you know, your, your lines, perfect. Your knots are perfect. You know, you got, you got fresh, you know, fresh, your fresh, some fresh spools. Yeah. Um, and then even just focusing on like, you know, pra- really practice like how you handle your bites, you know, how you handle hook sets, you know, you know, um, your boat control, you know, so when you're fighting a fish, a lot of, you know, losing fish is bad boat control, you know, mm-hmm. so things like that. So put like, put more energy into, you know, every fish that you get, figuring out how to get it in the boat. And if you do that, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a lot more consistent. If you can, you know, if you can, you know, lose one less fish every tournament. I mean, that could be, you know, two, three pounds every tournament. Think about if you could add two, three pounds to every, every tournament bag you have, that's going to make you a heck of a lot more consistent. Absolutely. Hey, so let's, um, let's go back to one of your points about uh, boat control and losing fish. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that for listeners? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, from a trolling perspective, um, you know, I try to like, if you've got a fish, it's, if it's just burying, you know, burying a board, you know, and the, fir- the less you have to pull them forward, the less chance you have to lose them. Mm-hmm. So if you can slow the boat down to get, you know, so just to like, at least, you know, not be losing line or not be pulling away from that fish without tangling the rest of your spread around and losing, you know, keep in and, you know, lose an opportunity for those other baits to get bite because you don't want to take your other baits out of a chance to catch a fish. But right. if it's the right, if it's a good enough fish, you need to know when, when it's time to get this fish in the boat based on what it's doing. And then, so, so sometimes there's, you know, slowing the boat down like that. And then the other thing is, you know, knowing, okay, what, you know, when that fish hit, okay, let's say it was like, you know, 80 feet back on a bandit or something like that. Well, you know, that fish is probably, it's, you know, let's say it's at, you know, a bit and you're bringing that thing in at like maybe a, a, you know, 20, 30 degree angle from the surface down to the fish. Mm -hmm. If you can keep that angle, you're going to do a lot better. If that fish goes straight vertical, uh, straight vertically below the boat, it changed the angle on the hook and that fish. If it goes straight up to the surface, that also changed the angle of the hook on, you know, Mm -hmm. on on the fish and that's going to give that fish another opportunity to shake you off and lose you. Um, so, so things like that. And then, then the other thing, like, you know, sometimes, like sometimes I'll slow the boat down, you know, like I said, for a real big fish, but just when it comes, when it's coming up to take the board off, like on a big one, you might want to speed it up just one click for just that pause. So that fish doesn't feel that change in speed that it was coming. Yeah. You know, so something like that. Another thing, like the other really big thing, I guess, too, is, you know, once that like 
planer board comes off and you got it coming up, like if that fish, like some of those real big ones stay, you know, they want to stay right down near the bottom. So you mm-hmm. want to keep like that angle. You don't want them right up there at the surface and you don't want them right under the boat. And if you can keep that fish, so he's coming in right at about that 45 degree angle and he surfaces, you know, five, six feet behind the back of the boat, that's perfect spot to net him. Whereas yeah. if you're, if you're going too fast, he surfaces 20 feet behind the boat and gets his head out oh, of water yeah. and shakes it. And how many, you know, we've all seen that and know what happens there, you know, mm-hmm. and then vice versa. If you're going too slow, he comes up right, right behind the boat and the guy on the rod real, you know, if they, you know, I mean, part of the job of the guy in the rod is to not reel them right into the engine. You know, I mean, like <clears throat> all those things that I just rambled on there. Like, I mean, they're, they're, there's, you know, that and a million other things. You could just every little one of those tiny little things that you can do to get that fish in the boat. You know, that's going to make a big difference in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So hey, I've seen this happen. I'm sure you've seen it plenty of times running trips. Um, fish is just gliding on the surface of the water 20 foot back from the boat. And, and, you know, I'm not Stretch Armstrong. I can't reach out that far. When you have clients or guests on your boat that have fish just on the surface, um, what are you telling them to do to have the greatest chance to land that fish? Well, I mean, uh, like, there's a couple things you can do. I mean, ideally, you would want to, like, you know, hang your rod over horizontally and keep the fish's head just under the surface. But that's reality. That's that's not going to happen, especially if you're moving kind of fast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can do that and get that fish, you know, just under the surface, that's going to be better. But sometimes... You know, if you're in those fish that are, it's hard to do with a real big one, but if you get in those fish that are like under 25 inches and their heads on the surface and they're just kind of gliding like, you know, almost like a, like a kneeboard or a tube or something being mm-hmm. towed behind the boat, just keep them gliding. Don't let them get under, just keep them constantly coming all the way to the net, you know? Gotcha. So. Yeah. That's the same I thing know. I do. I was curious about your perspective running trips and it makes total sense to me. Um, yeah, yeah, you see all kinds of things, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, you know, it's part of your job is to just you know, as as the captain of the boat is to just is to you know talk them through things and and, and guide them into you know what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things you know, and that, that kind of will take me to another point that you know I, I kind of ramble on. But like, no, oh, this is, is good stuff. One, one one thing with my I, I kind of tell people this sometimes is my airline pilot job. It's like one of you know, I, every day I go to work, I'm working with a, I'm working with a stranger. You know, the guy I never worked with the day before, and you got to work together in a highly critical environment and communicate and, you know, make decisions and work. You know, t- teamwork. You know, yeah. And it's really the same thing that you're doing in tournament fishing, especially the pro am tournaments. You mm-hmm. know, so. Like, you know, one guy's the captain and one guy's in charge and you guys got to work together and be a team. And, you know, the better you work together, the better you're going to be, you know, and it's the same, it's the same thing, the better, better you can communicate. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of equate it kind of to, you know, similarly, you know. Yeah, it makes a hundred percent sense to me. Um, so um, let's let's dial into Lake Erie a little bit. So um, I'm about an hour and 45 minutes from uh, the far west basin on the Michigan waters. Um, and I'm sure you got a lot of people that uh, kind of follow you from the Ohio side. Do you have any tips for anglers that want to be more consistent on your home body of water? 
Um, well, I would, you know, electronics is huge. You know, whatever electronics you got, it, it, it's it's such a, especially Lake Erie is such a, a wide, open, massive basin body of water. So the better you can be at uh, reading your electronics, the better you're going to be on a body of water like that. Like I use Lorance stuff and, and, you know, I, I am constantly studying that. Like learn, I teach a lot of like electronics interpretations <clears throat> class and I'm, I'm constantly trying to, you know, learn new things and take, take screenshots and study this and study that. And, you know, when you catch big fish kind of, you know, or you're finally, you're on big fish, run, run around in that area and see if you can, you know, find, see, look on your screens, look at your sonar, look at, see what you're marking. So you know how to duplicate that. So, mm-hmm. you know, being a master of your electronics, I think is, you know, a huge thing to being consistent Yeah. here on, here on Lake Erie. And then, you know, the other thing is, you know, so far, unlike, it seems like, unlike most other bodies of water, water in the, you know, the U S is Lake Erie is still, Nobody's been able to crack the casting casting bike game to win big turn big major tournaments on Lake Erie yet. So right. you know, so far it's it's you know, it's a troll fest here, you know. Um, so you gotta be good at you know, gotta be good at your trolling boat control, gotta be good at running those offshore boards and and you know, the trolling game and that and that's gonna even be especially harder now with the now the three rod rule here. You know, we used to have a two rod rule, but now it's a three rod rule. So, you know, get good at trolling, get good at, and get good at electronics. And lately it seems like, you know, the ticket to doing, you know, the best in tournaments is, is getting really good at those, you know, running those crankbaits right down near the bottom, you know, be doing that precisely. Yeah. Hey, good, good points there. Um, any other tips for anglers, um, say guys that prefer to run spinners, do you have any tips for guys with consistency in that area? I mean, it, it's, uh, no secret that you can find a good pot of fish and just stay on them all the time, but, uh, uh, say targeting bigger fish consistently with the spinner bite. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm still a spinner. Like I still like, I, if I, I prefer to fish spinners, you, you know, me I both, mean, brother. Like, I, I absolutely love spinner fishing, you know? So, um, you know, tips with that, um, you know, again, it's, it's about the, the biggest thing I could say is precise depth control. So getting really good at, you know, finding where those fish are and being able to get your baits right down in there and get yeah. them down efficiently. Um, you know, so when you're fishing spinners, like let's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of the, you know, the, the, undesirable species you know you're gonna get you know you're gonna get your crawlers nipped off so you got to be efficient at at getting those in and out changing them getting right back down to where that zone is and and typically you know most of the time like post spawn through you know probably about november most of the time those bigger fish are going to be closer to the bottom Mm -hmm. not always not always i mean i caught a fish ohio last week out of in 55 feet of water off of cleveland on a perfect 10 set uh 20 back you know so that <laughs> thing's only you know only four feet of, you know down so there are some circumstances that that you know they're all over the water column but you just gotta you know uh generally you know if, to be consistent on lake Erie, you're gonna have to figure out how to fix fish those fish those baits spinners crankbaits whatever with precise depth control yeah 
Hey, those are some good points. So, hey, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you've been running for uh, fishing tournaments and, and your, your guide business. Um, what boat are you running this year, and how do you have it rigged for your specific style of fishing? So I'm running the StarCraft STX 2050. I think this is on my eighth or ninth year running one of them. Uh, so it, it's a you know, 21 foot aluminum boat. I got a, a powered by a Merc, Mercury a four stroke 250 mm-hmm. horsepower. I got the. Uh, I'm actually sitting in it right now, getting ready to go for tomorrow. There we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a 99 kicker uh, mounted on it. I got the Burt's custom. Uh, tackle tracks and uh the the cradles and and rod holder trees so i can you know get a bunch of rods put them in different a lot of different options and put the you know the, my planer board rods in the trees uh i got the uh minkota uh, trova on the bow and i got uh two uh lawrence hs 12s on the console and one uh hs 9 live on the uh, up on the bow and uh yeah, it's a big water machine. I love it. That's awesome. So, um, hey, a lot of tournament anglers choose to run the fiberglass route uh, for a number of reasons. And I like that you go against the grain and get it done in an aluminum hold boat. What are some of the advantages you feel that you have by running a boat like the STX 2050? You know, that's that's a good question. I, I think that the biggest thing is, is, you know, I mean, I'm comfortable in this boat. This is what I, it's just like a pair of tennis shoes. You know, you're going to yeah. perform better in your shoes than someone else's and what you've been using, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, this is what I've been, this is what I've been using for uh, almost a decade now. Wow. And I mean, I, I'll tell you what, you know, now that, now that I ha- I've had a second to think about that question since you asked it is, I think that one of the biggest advantages I have is I, and and you'll laugh at this my wife you know before tournament she always is like well i hope it's rough you know and i'm like well, what do you mean i hope it's rough she's like you always do better when it's rough you know i'm like well I, i'm like wait a minute and, and the more i think about it she's right you know the better you know the rougher it is the better the tournament better i typically do and this boat i mean i think that's where it shines you know this boat it's 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 super it's super buoyant. It stays up on top of the waves. I never have to, I never have to worry about spearing a wave. Um, it runs great in rough water. It never comes down hard. Uh, um, and then, I, I mean, I think there's might be something to do with the way it fishes too. You know, like a fiberglass boat sits, sits in those waves and doesn't surge, you know, as much. And, uh, this boat will ride it more and pop up and down and stuff more. And, you know, I think there's something to that, the, the action that it'll put on your, your baits. I mean, sometimes sure they don't want the surge, but sometimes they do, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, again, I think it goes back to a lot of it is just, this is what works for me. This is what I'm comfortable in. It's great in the rough water. Yeah. Maybe I don't, you know, of course there's advantages to, to some of those fiberglass boats, you know, I don't have the top end speed. I can't go 70 miles an hour, but I mean, how often are you going much more than 50 anyways in any of the right. bodies we're, we're fishing in? So, you know, it works for me. Um, it, 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 I'm comfortable in it and it's a fishy boat, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So I think it's pretty cool because you, you, um, you know, you make your living <laughs> being in the air in, in, uh, aluminum, <laughs> airplanes yeah. and, and, yeah. and you're, you're cashing some checks in an aluminum boat too. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's no secret that that's a heck of a 
Great Lakes uh, machine for multi-species applications. That's one I've always wanted. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's also no secret I'm, I'm with uh, Smokercraft and, and Starcraft. I've got an old O2 171 Melentia, and, and that thing's been a, a beast for me. I mean, I've taken it... Um, Great Lakes, Lake Erie, Lake St. Clair is primarily where I fish, and uh, I don't know. I, I think if uh, <laughs> I think if the folks at Smoker or StarCraft uh, heard about the conditions I put a 17-foot boat in, um, it, it still gets it done. So, hey, I, t- well, I totally get, <laughs> get yeah, the comfort piece. You know, what's funny, too, is the first, when I got out of college, I, I moved back here, and this old-timer, this was uh, my mom's friend's dad, gave me a 14-foot aluminum starcraft from 1967 oh wow and i fixed that boat up i put rod holders and a, a fish finder and a, a, a little kicker motor on it and that was i mean that's how i learned to fish like Erie. you know like <laughs> i mean i learned i learned with my grandpa sport crafts when i was like a little kid but that's where i really got control of a boat and went out and learned and it was like it's just like you said the stuff that i put that thing through wow you know yeah it's amazing but i mean like i learned a lot i mean i trailered that thing up the lake ontario go salmon fishing and <laughs> and it's still running you know the 1967 you know 14 foot aluminum riveted starcraft you know and i mean i guess you know back to like you know your one of your questions you know about what advantages do you have about you know with this boat is you know one thing i i do know is like i don't i don't have any problems you know i've been running this for eight nine years i've never had a problem with one of them in a tournament i've never you know had a problem with one of them in practice so I'm on the water. I'm focused on fishing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I can focus on those fish and not have to worry about, you know, my boat breaking down or something having to get fixed or, you know, Piece those of kind mind. of issues, you know, and, and a lot of that's the boat. A lot of that's the motors and a lot of it's my dealer, you know, big sports center. I go down there and, and, um, it, it, when I first got one of these, they, they pretty much rigged the whole thing for me, but I was like, wait a minute, I want to, and they do a phenomenal job, but mm-hmm. I was kind of like, <clears throat> I want to learn this. I want to be more involved in this so that, you know, I understand and I know my boat yeah. completely inside and out. And then, and then, so each year, you know, I've gone down and rigged it and, and, and Victor down there, he's, he's phenomenal. He's like the smartest boat rigging you know, electrical guy I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. And he just, he teaches me stuff every year, you know, and it's, I rigged this thing meticulously to, you know, everything works, you know, everything works and everything works perfect and everything's, you know, set up exactly how I want it. You know, that, that's a huge advantage, you know? Absolutely. So I think it's kind of funny. You you mentioned your story about the 14 foot, uh, Starcraft aluminum. Uh, my brother-in-law Calvin and I spent a lot of time out of a 14-foot smoker craft, uh, old rowboat, and that thing's from the 60s as well. Still keeps ticking, so I, I know my O2 is going to be good. The whole bottom of the boat's a one piece of aluminum, and I'm assuming that's the same, uh, yeah, same build yep. procedure for the STX 2050. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's uh, yeah, just the one piece aluminum. Um, on the bottom riveted um, and it's you know I mean I've never never had any problems I, I've sold one of these every year I stay in, stay in uh, good touch with all my my buyers and none of them have ever had any problems either so you know a lot of that reliability Starcraft's got a great warranty and and 
you know, they don't even really need it. You know? We talked a lot about tournament boats, and uh, the cool thing about StarCraft is, uh, you know, they're part of Smokercraft, which is a huge family of boat brands. But uh, one of the things I want to talk about is more like family-slash-fishing-style boat. Is there a particular boat in the lineup you think is a good all-around fit for that type of angler? Yeah, you know, I like the uh, – one of my favorites, like if I was if I was just a straight-up Great Lakes, you know, family, take, you know, a bunch of people out fishing, I'd have that 196 Fishmaster or even the 2100 Fishmaster, which is – it's a very similar haul to the boat that I have, mm-hmm. but it's just, it just got a lot more space and a lot more seats, and it's, it's higher gunnels all the way around the sides and even up on the bow. So, like, you know, if you got kids or, you know – people you're worried about falling out it's not like i ever worry about falling out of my boat but there's that extra security and for sure you know in in it in in that boat and it's just got a ton of space you know the thing that the thing that it doesn't have that my boat has is the massive amount of storage for fishing tackle but most you know fishing tackle and gear but most people don't don't really need that you know so Uh, that 196 Fishmaster is, you know, is an awesome option. That's a Great Lakes fishing machine. Um, I also like uh, the 186 Titan. That would be a good one too. That that one's kind of cool because you can you can set up like a ski pole in that one, and you know, uh, if you want to get you know the family involved in that, a little bit smaller of a boat. But uh, it, it's it's really, I mean, there's there's so many different options. That's what's cool about Starcraft, Smokecraft, and and Starwell. I mean, there is if you want an aluminum fishing family skiing whatever boat, they got it. You know, there there's there's so many different options. You know, tell you what, one thing that I'm excited about, and I'm actually kind of kind of slightly leaning that way i got a lot of inland lakes and i fish the detroit river st clair river and lake st clair but the new um, starcraft 188 dual council delta um one thing that's pretty cool i think that just came out um this year and i could be wrong but uh they in- introduced what's called the vertex power stray call kind of like a pad like on a, a fiberglass boat on on the back near the transom and yeah. um, i don't know if the other models you mentioned have that but one thing that that gives guys is more of an opportunity to get on plane faster and uh, get up on top of the waves pretty quick and uh, less horsepower and more speed to, to get yeah. it done with. So pretty cool thing. And, and um, you know, the, the thing I like about those Starcraft boats is the, the attention to detail, the, the nice trim. Um, even if you look at the trim on, say, like if you go to a boat show, look at that 188 DC Delta, you'll see uh, you know black anodized aluminum on the upper side of the windshield that's not bright. Uh, you know, uh, anodized aluminum, and that kind of goes with like the trim and overall appearance of the boat. So they pay good attention to that, and uh, it, it gives you pride of ownership. And hey, you know, I've I've got an older boat from the Smokercraft side, which is just another brand part of the big family, and yeah. uh, it holds up. It's a side council. One day I will upgrade, but um, yeah, there's a lot of choices there for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I do think it's pretty cool that uh, people that have families, if you want to go tubing or whatever, you can get fish and ski models. And I know that those 178 and the 188 DC Delta does have that. So I don't know. You know, there's always choices. Choices are good things. And for people with families, I think that's a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. One one thing that I really recommend for that's it was cool 
for people with families is I put the uh, bimini top on mine. So, oh, nice. you know, take, taking the kids out and, you know, keeping the sun off of them and stuff, you get a lot longer days and stuff, you know, so all mm-hmm. those, all those models have the option to put that on there too, which is a really nice feature as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just things for people to consider if you're looking at boats. I know uh, Ryan mentioned a good dealer VIX over in Ohio. Um, any of these boat shows, I'm sure it'll look different with COVID in, in 2021, but you know, definitely want to check out some of these boats if you're considering something new to fit your fishing and family lifestyle. So good thoughts. Sure. Yeah. Another thing I know that uh, during the COVID stuff, when, when you couldn't fish the the main circuits um, out your way is uh, you participated in some virtual tournaments. So the catch record release formats and uh, you know, fish donkeys pretty awesome. I, I tried to do one for one of our club derbies. It just didn't end up working out. Um, um, yeah, the COVID stuff was kind of strange here in Michigan, but uh, I digress. So uh, do you think that the, the catch record release formats and virtual tournaments have the potential to become a predominant means for competitive events? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, the, the Ames used the catch record release format for a while now, you know, but I'll tell you what, I was super impressed with the, you know, the fish donkey uh, app just because it, it's really cool. Just the technology of it really takes away, like, you know, my, my question was a little like, well, how are you going to, how are they going to prevent someone from, you know, taking a picture of a fish the day before? It doesn't enable you to do that until the tournament starts. So I was like, that's genius, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's real. I don't know that it would, you know, that, that format will go into like, you know, big major tournaments, but from like a local club level and stuff, like, I think it's a phenomenal format and it's a phenomenal way to do it. And like the fun thing about it is you can just organize it with, you know, a couple of your buddies. Like we, we have the, the fall brawl is huge here in the fall. Yeah. You know, and it's like, we're all out there fishing a lot of those big long days. Anyways, we might as well fish a tournament against each other, you know, <laughs> so you can just kind of, kind of whip something like that together real quick and, 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 and do it, you know, and the, the really cool thing about it that I like is it takes, uh, well, well, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to kill the fish. You don't have to bring the fish in so you can, you know, snap the picture, uh, take the video of releasing it and boom, it's off. And, but, so that's super cool. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the really appealing place for that format for me, and a lot of us have talked about that, you know, for a lot of years is some of these places where there's these, uh, you know, no call and slot limit tournaments, you know, Mm -hmm. some of these, some of these places have these massive slot limits and it just, you know, it, it, it doesn't to me, you know, when there's these huge slot limit tournaments, like over 28 or under 20, it come kind of, you know, to a certain extent becomes a lot more luck involved, you know, than who's really the best fisherman on that body of water, you Mm -hmm. know? catch the biggest bag of fish you know so i think it has a lot of potential there i'll tell you what the other nice thing about it is like the 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 fish donkey at the virtual tournament it's kind of goes into like the the major league fishing format a little bit too which is you know taken off in the bass world that i think is really cool is there isn't the whole you know race out to a spot and you know have to run through you know, 35 miles or rough water and, you know, running back. I mean, part of that's the fun and the game the gamesmanship of the tournaments, but it's also pretty cool to be able to go, Hey, you can go wherever you want. You can get there, get there at this time. You don't have to, 
you know, beat yourself up or, you know, beat up any of your gear. Yeah. And it's just about the fishing, you know, it takes away the, who's got the biggest horsepower and the, you know, the, you know, who's got the, you know, the biggest guts to go make the longest run and all this stuff, you know, it's just, it makes it more, that was probably one of my favorite aspects of it. It's like, Hey, when we did it, Hey, go anywhere you want. And like you're at 7am, you can put your lines in the water. No excuses about, Oh, they, they put the tournament out of this launching point and, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, that's cool. It, it was too far of a run and all that. So, you know, part of the problem with that though, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the finances of these big tournaments is a lot of these tournaments pay, you know, the host cities pay, you know, pay for those tournaments to come there. You know, when you're doing a virtual tournament where it's, they go anywhere you want in Lake Erie, it's like, who's going to fork over the money to get that tournament to come there, you know? Yeah. Local local cities lose that revenue from people staying there and spending money. I get it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So, yeah, that's cool. You know, I I, I kind of hope that MLF style stuff that it w- will catch on to walleye. There's been a uh, a few things. You know, some stuff didn't quite stick. Some things I hope stick. And I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts? I, I think MLF for walleye would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool. You know, um, I mean, there's a huge potential. Of, like, you know, walleye fishing to take off. You know, and tournament fishing to get bigger. I mean, there's so many people that do it. There's you know. A lot of people spend a lot of money on, you know, a lot of things involved in it. So, you know, that's there. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that MLF format. It, it kind of would make, you know, it kind of make your, you know, help make your stars of the sport and, you know, more recognizable and yeah. and all that. And all that would be good, you know. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see it. And I kind of like the. I mean, we're like right now we have, you know, the team format and stuff, you know, and then, and then we have the programs, but I kind of like the individualism of the, like the, you know, the MLF format or, you know, um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. I know I'll be involved if it, if it happens, that's for sure. Yeah, for so, sure. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, when was the last time and have you ever fished Lake St. Clair? You know, uh, the last time I did was, it was November of a few, it was probably, eh, I guess it was more than a few years ago. It was probably about five, six years ago. Mm. And it was musky fishing. Okay. So, uh, you know, one thing, you know, back to when you were talking about, you know, becoming a better and consistent tournament angler, I always, I always kind of feel like I've gained a lot by being a multi-species angler. So anytime I get an opportunity to go, you know, fish for something else. I can learn something that can tra- translate to other things. So, you know, I, I definitely, you know, don't know nearly enough about musky fishing, but I went with some of my buddies and I learned a lot. And that was, so yeah, that was up on Lake Sinclair. But uh, I'd love to get back. I'd love to go try walleye fishing. And I just, oh, it's so, I don't know, us- yeah, usually when I, usually when I travel to other bodies of water like that, it's usually for a tournament and it's just, yeah. I haven't. You know, there hasn't been a big a big tournament for me to go up there yet. Yeah. You know, but I, I I'd like to see them have one out of see they had that that MWC a number of years ago out of there, but I'd like to see them have it there without with the restriction you gotta stay in Lake St. Clair, you know, because if they have it on St. Clair and you can run down to Erie, then I mean 
Yeah. From what I know, you may know differently, but from what I know, then you got to be down on my gear, you know. Depends so what time know, of the year. You know. Yeah. What's a? I said depends what time of the year. There's there's some pretty excellent bags, uh, but it all depends, and it all depends on the the boundaries of uh, the proposed yeah, event, right? Sure. So, yeah, but yeah, exactly. you, you should definitely check it out. I mean, uh, I, I get it; it's probably hard to leave when you got Lake Erie in your backyard. But uh, I know the, fi- I know, the fishing's great, and, and um, one thing that I, I tell people uh, about it, you know, you, you have the current dynamics. It's just like a smaller scale down of Erie, right? St. Clair, um, Lake St. Clair, and then Detroit River dumping out, and um, it's a weed fisherman's paradise. So if you want confidence with learning weed bites, it's uh, it's amazing, and if you like spinner fishing, that's that's bread and butter there. So, yeah, anytime yeah. you, you want to check it out, um, you know we're part of the Lake Saint Clair Walleye Association. Um, you know, a lot of us are out there, and and uh, we always help people out. If you want to check it out, anyone, even people that are listening to the podcast, it's a heck of a fishery. But sure, uh, yeah, man, absolutely. If you ever want to check it out, just give us a holler, and it's gonna be pretty good. Sweet. Yeah. All right, we'll do. One thing I forgot to bring up earlier in the podcast, if people want to learn more about you, follow your tournament fishing adventures, or or maybe, you know, hook up with you for doing some guide fishing on Lake Erie, what are the best ways to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go go on my website, just ryanbuddy.com, or, uh, you know, hit me up on Instagram, uh, just at ryanbuddy, and same, same thing with Facebook. So I'm usually, you know, checking in quite a bit, and... Uh, yeah, let me know. I'm happy to answer questions or, or even, you know, better yet, like especially times like now, I can get you out fishing. So it's uh, it's phenomenal fishing and give me a buzz. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for being on the podcast and uh, best of luck to you for the 2020 season. I'm sure I'll see you on the water. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. <laughs>